Hello, everybody, and welcome yet to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. You are tuned into our OITE review series slash board review series. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Spencer Woolwine are doing this review series. So we hope you all have enjoyed it. We have covered basic science, trauma. We have covered sports, and now we're on to spine. So stay tuned. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. If you are a returning listener, welcome back yet again. We just finished some cervical spine trauma stuff and now we will move on to the lumbar spine so go ahead and hit the subscribe button and go and subscribe to the youtube channel that would help us out a bunch we are trying to reach 1000 people and we are so close (laughs) all right enjoy you are now listening to nailed it the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors jay fitz and wendell cole All right, we are uh, we are back again to talk some more spine. We we've done a bunch of neck stuff or cervical spine, and it's uh, time to move on to the uh, to the lumbar spine here. Uh, Spencer, you ready to take take care of the back the back pain that uh, all of us love to see in clinic once we start our practice? <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Nothing <laughs> nothing makes me happier than uh, seeing a chronic back pain uh, patient here. <laughs> You know, that's what, of course, that's why we all started. That's why we all started residency and, you know, wanted to go to orthopedics to take care of chronic back pain. <laughs> 100%. Um, cool. Let's just, uh, let's go ahead and jump in and, and get it started here. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about physical exam stuff. So we'll jump into some general physical exam stuff as a reminder or as a refresher. Um, but what nerve root does the patellar tendon reflex test? That's going to be mainly L4 uh, as the uh, uh, kind of femoral nerve is what you're kind of getting that reflex arc through. And the femoral nerve is technically, uh, I guess, L2 to L4, but you're primarily testing L4 nerve root with the uh, patellar tendon reflex. And then moving down one level, um, what reflex can be used uh, to test the L5 nerve root? Mm, oh man, that's a that's a trick question. There's actually no reflex um, for the L5 nerve root, so there is one for L4 and S1, but there is not a reflex arc for the L5 nerve root. Uh, now, speaking of the reflex arc, what reflex can be used to test the S1 nerve root? That's the Achilles uh, reflex. Um, pretty straightforward. So yeah, I guess just to kind of reiterate. Uh, we have L4 is patellar tendon, uh, L5 is none, and S1 is the Achilles tendon. Um, and, and these are the things we're talking about, reflexes and what you can test on physical exam with the reflexes. It's not uh, the classic questions that we'll get into now about uh, motor capabilities of individual nerve roots, which there uh, is classic kind of patterns for these nerve roots and their motor uh, kind of counterparts. And so let's say that uh, you, you do have a patient in clinic and you notice that they have uh, weak ankle dorsiflexion and numbness around the kind of medial aspect or kind of dorsomedial aspect of their foot. Yeah, so we're going to be thinking, uh, you know, something going on with the L4 nerve root. Um, just like you just said, that's going to kind of con- help control that ankle dorsiflexion and that medial um, sided numbness. And if we wanted to go full circle, they may or may not have an abnormal patellar tendon reflex. And 
there may possibly be some quadriceps loss too with the L4 um, nerve root. Now, continuing forth, you know, more, I guess, clinical uh, vignettes, uh, what nerve root may be affected in the patient with gastroc weakness? So they could say they have trouble getting onto their tippy toes and they have numbness about the posterior calf and the plantar foot. Uh, and that's going to be S1. And so uh, like you were talking about, the L4 and S1 have their kind of motor uh, equivalence to their reflex arcs. And so if you think about S1 being Achilles tendon and S1 being gastroc weakness and numbness on the plantar foot, uh, uh, that'll get you that test point. And then um, the L4 one, like you said, with the ankle dorsiflexion weakness, and you you possibly can have an abnormal uh, quadriceps strength, but because the quads are also innervated by L2 and L3, um, it may be difficult to, to determine that, but it definitely can be present. And then um, since we didn't have a uh, L5 reflex arc, um, what... Uh, I'm going to kind of switch up the question and answer because I kind of just said L5. You know, but, uh, <laughs> what, what would be the kind of physical exam finding where you would be concerned about uh, L5 nerve root injury? Yeah, so they come and they're complaining of like numbness along their lateral calf and their dorsal aspect of their foot. And then you do a physical exam, and you have them extend both of their big toes and one is a little bit weaker than the other. That may lead you towards uh, the L5 nerve root may be uh, affected. So again, that's going to be um, big toe extension or hallux extension weakness, numbness around the lateral calf and then the dorsum of the foot. So, you know, when you ask these patients, oh, do you have the Shooting pain, it shoots down all the way to your leg. They say, yeah, it does. Okay, does it go to the top of the foot or the bottom of the foot? So if they say goes to the dorsal aspect of the foot around the lateral calf, that should clue you in towards your, uh, the L5 nerve root. Now, what nerve root or roots may be affected in a patient with hip flexion weakness and sensory loss around the anterior thigh? Uh, that's going to be uh, L2 and L3. And um, one quick thing about L5 uh, is uh, I know we're talking about spine and you can definitely have these physical exam findings with uh, spine, but also just to bring it a little bit around full circle when we're, because uh, you will be tested on this too, is uh, it'll be a trauma question. They'll have uh, SI joint widening or a sacral fracture and you're putting in uh, sacral iliac. Oh, yeah. Um, when you do your post-op checks on your patients with sacroiliac screws, um, obviously you're paying attention to everything, but you're paying particular attention to that great toe <coughs> dorsiflexion because that's uh, the L5 nerve root is the most common one affected uh, with the uh, with a errant uh, SI screw. Um, and then going back to the hip flexion weakness and being L2 and L3. Uh, one easy way to remember that is the higher you are on the leg, the higher up you're going to be in the lumbar spine. So like patellar tendon and quads are L4. And so that's further down by the knee. But as you get up to the hip flexors and sensory loss around the anterior thigh, that's higher up in the L spine. And so L2 and L3 are the uh, affected nerve roots uh, more superior in the limb. And then... Um, the uh, 
one of the, I guess, common tests that you do, uh, and they'll they'll tell you in a test question, uh, they they have a positive straight leg raise or a negative straight leg raise. What does what is a straight leg raise sign? Yeah, and it, I mean it's really almost exactly what it just sounds like. So you have their leg straight, meaning the knee is extended, and you start to raise their leg up, or I guess in more uh, doctor terms here, you have hip flexion with knee extension. And when you you when you um, when you extend their leg straight up, and you get to um, angles of around ninety degrees, it re- reproduces the radiating pain down their leg in that specific dermatome. So this can be sensitive for herniated disc. Uh, most commonly, um, these occurs at L4, L5, or L5S1. So again, straight leg raise is going to be something that can clue you in towards a herniated disc. You raise your leg straight. This can be done sitting or standing, um, it, but you raise your leg straight with your knee extended, and this uh, leads to that radiating pain down their leg. Now, what is the crossed straight leg test? Uh, so it's it's kind of a test where you're actually testing the uh, non-painful side and you're seeing if they get symptoms on the painful side. So basically you're doing extension of the contralateral leg produces symptoms down the symptomatic leg. And it's pretty specific for a contralateral herniated uh, disc. So it's, it's, uh, rather than flexing the leg, like in the straight leg raise, you're extending the contralateral side and producing symptoms down the symptomatic side. Uh, symptomatic side, sorry. Uh, and then uh, another one is called the femoral stretch test. What is that? Yeah, so this is a test, another physical examiner that you can use to um, to check the upper lumbar roots. So this kind of tests this tenses the upper lumbar roots. And I think there are a couple ways to do this. One is one is described if you have the patient pretty much prone on the on the bed and you and you flex your knee and you kind of really just like pick their leg up. So their hip is getting extended and their knee is getting flexed. And if this reproduces some of those um, radiating symptoms, uh, that is would be a positive exam. You can also do this with them standing facing the bed. And again, you uh, you pretty much like grab their foot from behind them and you are uh, flexing their knee and extending their hip passively. And this test is positive and can be sensitive for herniated disc at multiple levels of the upper lumbar roots, but you know, like L1, L2, L2, L3, or L3, L4. So that is a a physical exam maneuver. And and you must um, see if they are reproducing the radiating pain, not just having generalized pain. Because I remember one time I was in clinic and I did this test and they, they, they had pain. And I was like, oh man, I finally got it. I got a femoral stress test. It was positive. Um, but their pain was more localized right to their back and our, in their SI joints. And they had like a positive favor and it was actually, it was SI joint pain. Uh, so you just need to ask them where they're having their pain and if it's reproducing those radiating symptoms. Um, and we know that, you know, when these patients come in with back pain, that there are a lot of different things that it could be. It could also be coming from their hip. Uh, what's just one, you know, easy physical exam test that you can do to test for some hip arthritis when you're when you're talking uh, with these patients uh, that come in with what they, what they presume to be low back pain due to the lumbar spine? Yeah, they'll, uh, there's a lot of crossover and that's why um, when you are in arthroplasty clinic or you go into arthroplasty as a subspecialty, um, 
there's a pretty good crossover of patients who see both spine and you. And it's really to determine, is there uh, kind of low back buttock pain radiating from their hip or is it radiating from their spine? And if it's kind of nonspecific, um, doing like a axial load and pain uh, with internal and external rotation of the hip uh, is really testing the hip itself. Like you're, you're loading the hip and then you're trying to grind that arthritic hip against itself to say, is this the pain that you feel or is the pain you feel different than this? And if they say, oh, that's what I feel, then you're more, uh, it, it's more consistent with a hip arthritis. But if they say, you know what, that doesn't bother me. It's uh, it's a different pain that I'm feeling, then you can say, well, it's probably not hip arthritis and it's maybe more spine or radiculopathy type of pain, uh, like a sciatica or uh, I, I hate this diagnosis, but I guess it's real is deep gluteal <laughs> syndrome um, mm. where the, the piriformis is compressing on the uh, sciatic nerve. And so it's... Uh, so it, it's that sort of stuff. So if you're really testing the hip joint itself, do things that test the hip joint, like load it, move the hip around um, or move the back around and see if that's their pain. So, um, and then you, you brought this up, uh, but uh, if you're also, if the patient's like, you know what, it's low back pain, but it doesn't radiate a whole lot. Uh, you can try what's uh, you're, you're concerned about sacroiliitis. What's a good test for that one? Yeah, so it's going to be that Patrick's or that Faber test where you, you flex, abduct, and externally rotate the hip. Or uh, I just think of it like if you're sitting down and you're about to cross your legs and put your leg on top of the other thigh, uh, you're doing that maneuver and kind of pushing down on that knee. And if this reproduces that that pain right in there, kind of posterior back region, that's something that include you in towards sacroiliitis, that, that, may, that the SI joint may be the um, maybe the uh, the cause of their back pain. And I, I really think it's cool with these, with this back stuff. Uh, so much is uh, about the physical exam finding and like the clinical history and physical exam findings that are positive, you know, cause uh, we, we'll talk about at some point, you know, the imaging can uh, be falsely positive. So it's really good to know and try to tease out all these different um, causes of back pain. Now, obviously there are many causes of back pain, which we probably are not going to talk about here like those systemic diseases you can have um you can have uh pathological uh you know oncological things that cause back pain so there are many things that it can be but these are just some things to have in your tool belt uh and speaking of tool belt you know say you know we have a patient uh, that comes in and you know they um i don't want to prejudge but say they're like a workers comp um, they really don't like to work and they kind of told you that and you're examining them and, um, and you're wondering, or you've heard about these Waddell signs. Um, what are the Waddell signs? Um, uh, and like, what are they like? And, and, and what are the physical exam findings? Like, what is that? Yeah. So I, in kind of preparing for this talk, I, I looked them up and kind of figured out the history of the Waddell sign and um, they were initially uh, kind of diagnosed or, or initially thought up to identify patients that were just going to do poor with 
uh, surgery. Um, okay. And, and the, the thought was that then their, their pain was not a surgical issue. If they had all of these symptoms and they went to surgery and had a bad outcome, meaning they, none of their pain was resolved, then these signs were positive. And so uh, a bunch of lawyers and all of that then took this as, oh, well, then these pa- these patients are faking it and they're malingering. <laughs> mm, okay. So that's how they, uh, they're now misusing the Waddell signs to identify or detect malingering or uh, to disclaim motor vehicle accidents and claim that the patients are faking it. And so there's several categories. There's overreaction, there's distraction, there's regional sensory disturbance, some uh, hip motion, and then non-anatomic uh, tenderness. And so these Waddell signs are superficial tenderness, which is uh, like tenderness to light touch over the lumbar spine, which is not due to organic lumbar spine pathology. If you have a herniated disc, you're the skin on your low back is not necessarily going to be painful. Um, if they have non-anatomic tenderness where they're painful everywhere or they're painful in one specific area, but not in the rest of the dermatome. Um, if you are able to axial load the spine uh, through the head and it causes lumbar pain, then it's non-organic, meaning like if you do a Spurling's test and they say, yeah, that really hurts in my spine, like my lumbar spine, that sort of compression doesn't really translate all the way down into the lumbar spine. If you move their hip around and it says that it hurts in their lumbar spine, that's another one. Um, if you're able to do a straight leg raise and it's painful, but then you're talking to them about their car crash and you raise their leg up and down, but that's not painful, then you've you're distracting them and it's not a positive exam finding anymore. Um, and then if there's an overreaction where like, if, if you push in one area uh, and then five minutes later, you go back and do that same test and they don't have the exact same response, then they're having an overreaction to that pain. And so I know it's a really long discussion about what else, <laughs> but there's good to know. And they, whether it's good or not, they are still used in medical legal cases and uh, medical legal stuff is a fact of our profession. It's a, it's uh, something we are going to have to deal with. And so if you are going to go into spine surgery or hip surgery, it's good to know these Waddell signs, because if you are ever asked to present to court or you're an expert opinion or this or that, you're going to get asked about them. So it'll be good to know. Uh, Very true. So uh, sorry for that. I'm kind of long. Uh, no, I like it. Through Waddell's uh, signs, but uh, there you go. So what's the leasing cause of disability in patients under 50 years old? That is going to be low back pain. And this can be due to multiple, uh, multiple issues. You know, this can be just to a, a muscle sprain. It can be uh, facet joint arthropathy. This can be spinal osteosis, spinal stenosis. It could be from discogenic tears or annular tears. But one of the things just to know is that 
Um, low back pain is one of the leading causes of disability in patients under 50 years old. And I, I'm sure there's some studies out there saying that that's one of the most common reasons that patients, you know, go to the doctor is for low back pain. And I think almost all of us listening to this at some point, we'll see patients with low back pain. So it's good to be able to kind of uh, triage it and see exactly what's going on and, and know some of the treatments for it, which we'll get into here in a bit. Um, but do you, do you always need to get uh, x-rays when first seeing a patient with acute disgeneralized back pain? Uh, every patient will request them or force your hand to perform them, but no, uh, you actually uh, should wait uh, around six to eight weeks to get imaging. One, because it's just safer for the patient. Um, it's cheaper for the healthcare system. And a very high percentage of time, everything is completely normal. And a lot of patients just want something done for them because then they feel like they've been treated or that their doctor listens. Um, but no, you're, you really should not be getting x-rays of the lumbar spine uh, during their first visit unless they have red flag signs. And red flag signs are uh, unexplained weight loss. So you're concerned about a metastatic process with uh, disease either uh, collapsing the vertebral bodies or infiltrating the uh, spinal canal. Um, altered mental status, obviously that is more concerning for something like a uh, either trauma to the area or like a meningitis. Uh, so you want to get, or like an epidural abscess. So um, you want to get x-rays for that. Fevers again for epidural abscesses. Uh, focal tenderness and not like Waddell signs where you just touch the skin, but if you're pushing down so that you can truly palpate the spinous processes and around L1 to L3, they are asymptomatic and you get to L4, 5, and they are extremely painful in that area, then you want to get some x-rays. Um, and then if there's a decline in physical abilities and it's, and that's, it's more motor related rather than sensory because a lot of them will have pain. Some of them may even have decreased sensation along some dermatome. Um, but uh, if they are now requiring crutches to walk around because their leg is weak, that's a red flag. Um, and then yep. if there's a traumatic event that is more than uh, what you would expect for an injury. So like car crash, fall from a ladder, that sort of stuff. But if they say, you know, I, uh, I tripped over a curb and now my back hurts or something, then you're probably not getting x-rays for that. Um, but yeah, you, uh, most of these patients will resolve within several weeks with their back pain. So they, so you didn't even need to get x-rays in the first place, but. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the nailed it ortho podcast. We hope you are learning while we are uh, speaking and talking about these different things, we just talked about some lumbar spine exams. So if this is your first time listening, we hope that you enjoyed the episode and we hope you come back again for some more by hitting that subscribe button as well as leaving a review in iTunes for us. That would help out a bunch and check out the YouTube channel. It's just nailed it ortho. Just check it out. Hit that subscribe button and check out some videos. There's a bunch of content out there.